welcome back. Let's just jump right in. Here we are, chapter 27 of Acts, and uh, we see Paul and Luke and some other prisoners being handed over to a centurion named Julius, and they're going to get on a ship, a three-hour tour. <laughs> we know how those things go, right? Like, yeah, if you spend time reading the scripture, you know that this is not going to be a quick trip. Uh, it's going to be one of those trips of the ages. And so we have this uh, interaction, and, and Paul is uh, finds some kindness and uh, with the Julius, and Julius says, yeah, you can go hang out with your friends, it'll be great. And then they go to sea again, and as they're going out, storm starts coming, and it reminded me of, uh, do you remember in the Old Testament, uh, when Elijah said, there's a cloud the size of a man's fist, and he started running because he knew that God was going to bring a huge storm. In the same way, I believe, yeah, as it was getting cloudier, Paul would be like, I know where this goes. I, it's not going to be good. And yet he has that confidence. He feels like God visited an angel sent to him and said, hey, don't worry. Everything will be okay. Um, but uh, he, he warns them in verse 10, I can see that our voyage is going to be very disastrous and bring great loss to the ship and cargo and to our own lives also. So then the last part of the chapter, the middle part of the chapter, at least, they really talk about this storm. When a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw the opportunity to wade an anchor, and before long, a wind of hurricane force swept down from the island. Like, again, these guys knew weather. You ever been in a hurricane? You ever been in a tornado? Like, those are powerful winds. You can yell and not be heard. You can just, it's just terrible. And that's what they found themselves on. Uh, on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave all hope of being rescued. Like, if you're not seeing the sun, it's, it's bad. It's dire. And then in verse 21, it says, Since they had been without food for a long time, Paul then stood up among them and said, you men should have followed my advice not to sail from Crete and sustain dam this damage and loss. Now I urge you to take courage because there will be no loss of any of your lives, but only of the ship. For last night an angel of the God I belong to and serve stood by me and said, Don't be afraid, Paul. It is necessary for you to appear before Caesar. So Paul warns them towards the beginning of this journey, and kind of at this midpoint there's an opportunity for him to kind of rub it in and just go, Hey, you got what you got. I told you guys not to do this. You're on your own. Good luck to you. But instead, he encourages them and says, hey, this isn't going to be smooth sailing, but we're going to make it. Because like Paul had been told by God in chapter 23, he was heading to Rome to testify before Caesar. And how he would get there was probably a little murky, but he trusted God and knew God's got a plan that I can't see or maybe even understand. And then it says, after 14 days, when it was daylight, Paul urged them to take food, saying, for this is for your survival, since none of you will lose a hair on your head. And then it says, when daylight came the next day, they didn't recognize land, but they sighted a bay with a beach, and so they went, and they planned to run the ship ashore. And the soldiers were deciding, hey, we should kill the prisoners so that they wouldn't swim away and escape. And these soldiers were probably thinking, like the other soldiers that we've read about, where when the prisoners escape, they are still responsible, and there's big-time consequences for them if they 
let the prisoners get away. And then it says, but the centurion kept them from carrying out their plan because he wanted to save Paul. So he ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and get to land. So they get ashore. And uh, it's an island called Malta. And the islanders showed us unusual kindness. They built a fire and welcomed us because it was raining and cold. And Paul gathered a bunch of brushwood. As he put it in the fire, a snake jumps out and fastens himself onto his hand. When the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, they said to each other, Ball don't lie. Uh, okay, they didn't say ball don't lie, but they were saying this man must be a murderer. For though he escaped the sea, the goddess justice has not allowed him to live. And that's kind of how we do, right? We can see that. We do that with everything. And yeah, yeah, you can't, escape, you can't escape fate. It's like the Final Destination movie or something, and John Denver's playing in the background somewhere, and you just think, yep, you're a bad person. You can't escape death. Well, that's not the case what happens here. Um, the people expected him to swell up or suddenly fall dead, but after waiting a long time, it says, and seeing nothing happen, they changed their mind. And then they said he was a god. So they go from, oh, he's cursed. Yep, he's going to die. He's not dying. Wait. You know what? He must be a god. Like, what a swing of emotions. And and what a swing of emotions to have that thought about you. People calling you out saying you're going to die to, then they're calling you a god. Of course, Paul doesn't take that. He, he, he sets them correct. There was a state nearby that belonged to Publius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us to his home, showed us gener- generous hospitality for three days. His father was sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. Paul went to see him, after prayer, placed his hands on him, and healed him. When this happened, the rest of the sick island came and were cured. They honored us in many ways, and when we were ready to sail, they uh, furnished us with supplies we needed. Even in this weird, bizarre time, Paul was able to do ministry. Incredible ministry. What a challenging reminder for us. And then as we keep reading in chapter 28, this three, probably four month journey has finally been complete. And it probably didn't end up how Paul thought it would end up when he first heard that he would be sent to Rome. I mean, if you were scripting this out, you couldn't make any of this up. This isn't exactly the path that you would have taken. Now I'm going to go over here. I'm going to stay at this island. I'm going to get bit by a snake and all of these things are going to happen. But they made it just like God had said that Paul was going to do. It says in verse 16, when we entered Rome, Paul was allowed to live by himself with a soldier who guarded him. And then after three days, he called together the leaders of the Jews. And it's interesting, even in Rome, even as a prisoner in a house, he calls together the leaders of the Jews, and he continues this regular pattern that we've seen throughout this book, where when Paul goes to a town, he goes to the synagogue, gathers the Jews, and starts to preach to them. And so in verse 17, he says, Brothers, although I have done nothing against our people or the customs of the ancestors, I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem in the hands of the Romans. And he kind of walks through the story of how he got to Rome. And they say in verse 21, We we haven't received any letters about you from Judea, but we want to hear what your views are since we know that people everywhere are speaking against this sect. They're talking about the church. They're talking about this group of Jesus followers, and we want to know more. And then it says, after they arranged a day, a bunch of them came to where Paul was staying, and it says, from dawn to dusk, Paul expounded and testified about the kingdom of God. 
He tried to persuade them about Jesus from both the law of Moses and the prophets. Some were persuaded by what he said, but others did not believe. It's a similar response to what Paul has seen throughout all of these different towns that he's visited. Some people believe, and some don't. And then they get really fired up when he says, the Holy Spirit is right in saying to your ancestors, you the prophet Isaiah, and he, he quotes this passage from Isaiah where it says, go to these people and say, you will always be listening but never understanding. You will always be looking but never perceiving, for the hearts of the, these people have grown callous, and their ears are hard of hearing, and they have shut their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and I would heal them. Basically, he's saying, the nation of Israel has a hard heart. You Jews, you have a hard heart towards the gospel. And then in verse 20, it says, therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. And I think when we read this, we think, yeah, Paul, that makes sense. You went to the Jews. Some believe, some didn't. And they have hard hearts. So yeah, go to the Gentiles, man. Don't waste your time. Don't spend your energy on these people that aren't going to listen. Why would you even hang out with them? But verse 30 says, Paul stayed two whole years in his own rented house, and he welcomed all who visited him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. It doesn't say he stayed two whole years and just talked to Gentiles that came said anyone who visited him, he welcomed them and he proclaimed the kingdom of God to them because Paul understood that that was the mission that he was on as a believer, to go and make disciples, to go and be a witness for the Lord wherever he sent him. As you read this story this week, and really as we finish up the book of Acts, what stands out to you? Maybe it's Paul on the ship and how he reacted. Maybe it's how he dealt with the Jews. But this week, think of one thing that stands out to you. And let's talk about that this week as we get together on Sunday.